Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I've been reading a fascinating book by Tony Comper. It's autobiographical, Mr. Comper is the past CEO of Bank of Montreal, 1999 to 2007. So many things happened between uh, 1999 and 2007 and his tenure as BMO president. And uh, the book is called Personal Account, 25 Tales About Leadership, Learning and Legacy from a Lifetime at Bank of Montreal. Tony Comper, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, my pleasure, Roy. Uh... Let me start, first of all, away from the book and a bit of a news story here. Your reaction to President Biden's cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline construction, the impact on Canada, and I know you have a great deal of commitment to the environment. Yeah, well, it, it, it's unfortunate, I think. Um, but I think he's responding to a lot of pressure from the environmental group. And um, so I, I have some sympathy with that in response to it. But it, but it is unfortunate. Now, my only hope is that I think that as this unfolds, and I'm delighted to see that uh, uh, Granholm has become the um, uh, the secretary for the um, uh, for energy, uh, she's a lot of common sense. And I'm hoping, maybe this is just a false hope, but I'm I'm really hoping that as this thing unfolds, they will find a way to come to an agreement where looking at Canada's commitment to the environment and to things of that nature will find an accommodation that will somehow get around this. Maybe that's a false hope, but, that, but that's where I'm going on this. All right, Tony, let me uh, get to your book. And I always like to ask authors who write first-person accounts about what motivated their books and what makes the final edit and how that is selected. How did personal account begin, and how did it take shape over time? It's a very interesting uh, question, actually, and um, you, you, we don't have enough time for me to babble on about how it all started. But, but, the, but the bottom line is, I didn't want it to be a when Tony was three kind of memoir, Roy, if I can put it that way. Um, although starting out, I do tell a little bit of family history, but more because it kind of points to what I think is an important story um, uh, in the the Bank of Montreal, which is about relationships. But I didn't want it to be about when Tony was three. Rather, my motivation was to document my experiences over 40 years with the bank um, and leave behind for those coming after me to perhaps learn from my experiences, plus and minus, uh, successes and failures and, and things of that nature. And so that was my, my, my intent, and that's why we characterized around 25 tales, which are kind of like 25 experiences that I've had throughout a long, and I must say, really enjoyable banking career. So if I can uh, just uh, reference an op-ed uh, about your personal account, the book personal account, that you wrote for the Globe and Mail over your 40 years with Bank of Montreal, lessons learned about life, about banking, about leadership, and you name five of them. Number one, trust is earned. Number two, sell your ideas. Three, diversity is an economic imperative. Four, protect the planet. And five, be true to yourself and others. For those who are coming up behind you, the Bank of Montreal, for those who are building careers in, in various sectors, would you speak to those five life lessons and professional drivers? Well, I think they're just, um, it's a way of me synopsizing, if I can characterize it that way, the kind of, the rules that I kind of try to follow by myself. And, and so passing them on, like, to those who come, if you can kind of think about, 
our industry, if you can kind of think about the bank and you can kind of think about, so with all the complexities that get thrown at you in, in all the jobs in the bank or any other industry for that matter, every day, day in, day out, you're getting thrown all kinds of complexities. And how do you kind of come to it with kind of like a framework of some informing ideas that can help you kind of sort through and, and provide that filter for how I should respond, how I should act, and how I should do under any kind of a circumstances. And so the, the shorter you can make the list, the better, I guess. And I, I probably even five might be too many, I think, you know. You know, I remember um, a, a sign that was outside our studio complex uh, when I was doing the show out of Toronto. And it was in Boston. It just reminded everybody who walked into the studio complex, remember, it's entertainment. So it, it just focuses you. And if you have a few ideas, a few philosophies that you carry through life, uh, they do help. And I, I looked at your five and I thought, if I were starting out a career, these would be great ways for, great for me to remember. Now, Tony, I also remember well, as do many Canadians, the merger attempt, BMO, Bank of Montreal, merging with RBC. It failed. What were the challenges which immediately followed and how did you address the credibility of Bank of Montreal as its new CEO immediately following such a situation? Uh, it was a big challenge, Roy, and um, and I think I, I kind of like devote. That's, that's why I devote almost an entire chapter to that experience because it was a, uh, it was tough because to, to try and um, convince uh, politicians and the public at large that this was a good thing to do, uh, we we kind of like reinforced the point that, that this was very very important in the long haul of the futurity of not just our company but the futurity of the banking industry. Um, and it was quite obvious that the size of uh, banking institutions, primarily in, in their capital bases and things of that nature, were becoming increasingly important in the in the competitive world of the of the financial industry. And so we really sold that very hard. And of course, when it didn't materialize, then the obvious question that comes up is: so so what now? Um, we made a big pitch about this was like the way to go for the future. And does that mean that like we don't have a future? I mean, not stated exactly like that, but that's kind of like the, the tenor of where do we go from here. So it was quite a chore to kind of say, now, okay, that was one way of going forward, uh, but now let's get back to basics, because at the, at the bottom line is, at the end of the day, getting back to basics is really what will make us succeed uh, over the long haul. And so that one opportunity is, is gone from us for now. It might come back. We've been through this before, in the period of 1890 to 1920, there was another huge wave of consolidations, and that's been characteristic of the industry. A lot of industries, not just the banking industry, but in particular the banking industry, where the size of capital base and diversification are key things that are going to lead to success in the future. Now, for the average person who uses the bank services, uh, it was um, a bit of a sell, wasn't it, to uh, get them to have confidence again in the bank, given that the merger had been in plan, and you did a great job. Of, of doing that, your stewardship also included the shock of 9-11 and the beginnings of the Great Recession. Um, how did you address those particular challenges? The, the finance of the, of the world, certainly uh, during the latter experience, were under duress, and they are again now. Yeah, they are. Um, and, and, and that's not an unusual circumstance, although some of these events are more unusual than others, if I can characterize it that way. But but if you, look, if you look at the long sweep of history, and our bank, of course, now we're more than 200 years old, and we've gone through many of those, as you would expect, in, in the long sweep of the economic history of Canada, this nation, and, and other nations that we deal with. Um, so the, so you, you come to it with, 
the experience you've had and how you deal with it, and in collaboration, by the way, with the rest of the industry and the and the rest of the regulators and the financial institutions, and it, and, and and what I think it characterizes the way in we manage through these things, certainly in contemporary times, is the way in which the organizations come together, not just the banks, not just the financial institutions, but the financial institutions, the government regulators, the government institutions, uh, and the and the larger scale uh, organizations in the financial industry, how they quickly come together to address things that are very serious, because it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly that these kind of events can move very rapidly, and they can quickly get out of control unless they're really, really trapped. And I have to give enormous credit in the the old in the 2008 situation to my successor, Bill Down, who did a marvelous job uh, carrying the situation for our bank in particular in the in the face of that crisis and managed to, to get through it. Um, but as I say, over the long sweep of our 200 years, it's not an unusual factor. It's not a fun factor, and it's not but it's not an unusual factor. And it takes great courage um, and 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 hard work. Uh, working in collaboration with others to get through these things. Technology, it uh, changes everyone's life and constantly. When you became CEO of the Bank of Montreal, technology was accelerating. Uh, Would you speak about how you approached and integrated technology into the bank and its client base? Because few of us can remember or even, well, even imagine living without credit cards, debit cards, ABMs, and online banking and more. You began that very early in 1970, didn't you? I did actually, Roy. It was it was interesting. In fact, I'm doing a little bit of mathematics recently, and I, I calculated that I had spent about 37 percent of my career at the bank either directly involved. I was a computer programmer at one point in time, or in management of technology. And and I've seen the long sweep of technology coming from kind of the early days when we were working on the one of the, one of the first real time banking systems in the financial industry in the 1970s, which seems like long, long time ago. To me, it's a little bit of a blink of an eye. But, it was, um, but it's been marvelous to watch it and to watch how it's really improved things for our customers and for our employees and, and for um, the society at large. If I, if I don't want to put too uh, broad a sweep on that, but, but, but I, I really think it has really improved our lot in life. And, I, and, and of course, lots of technologies have done that, but in our industry in particular, it's, it's extremely important for several reasons, or including uh, improving the services that we can offer to our clients, improving um, the working conditions and the lives of, of all the jobs in the bank and making them better. And so I, I tend to believe, I, I'm a strong believer, of course I would be having that much of a commitment of my career in the, uh, in the IT field, I'm a strong believer that the management and evolution of technology is, is one of the most important drivers of e- economic success and, and economic growth, not just in Canada, but, but around the world, frankly. And um, so I, I live in, um, uh, with, with a strong belief that that's an important factor that's going to, has and will continue to um, aid us all in everything we do and for our customers. And There's so much uh, that I want to ask you about, and time is so limited. So let me get on to another major change that has happened in our society that you embraced very deeply. And it's, it took a long time, much longer than it should have happened. And that is gender diversity. Would you speak to that, please? Because today in 2021, it seems impossible um, to consider a woman not being qualified to take on the greatest of responsibilities. And yet that was standard not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's another button that you could press on me, and I could talk about that for hours. But let me, let me just start with the fact 
the um, uh, it was always my observation. I, w- I was very fortunate in, that in my career, I had some like really exceptional women managers. Um, and of course, in early days when I was involved in technology, um, we had vast diversity. So we had probably an equal number of um, women computer technicians, of men tech- computer technicians. But then when you spin the tapes forward, it was apparent that there was a huge imbalance, at least and I can speak to our bank um, and other banks as well, as I, I believe. Uh, but there was a huge imbalance where there were, although a significant number of our employees were women, when you looked at the top of the bank, there was significant underrepresentation of women in the top echelon of the bank. So when my colleague and, and friend Matt Barrett and I were handed the reins of taking over at Bank of Montreal, one of the first things I said to him is I said, Matt, when you look at this, um, this imbalance, to me, that's a, that's an economic issue. Now, this is going to sound um, a little bit like um, uh, uh, technical kind of consideration, but I said it truly is an economic issue because if, as I believe, which I subsequently proved, that women are just as capable, well-educated, perform just as well as men, and they're very, very underrepresented, the fact of the matter is that we are grossly um, underutilizing an economic resource, and if we could some, somehow find a way to level the playing field, think of the positive impact on our organization, on the value that we create for our shareholders. By the way, it happens to also be a significantly important thing from a social benefit point of view. Uh, but it started off as like purely an economic uh, issue, uh, and then but associated with that is of course the social benefit issue. And to that end, and there's a a cute little story in the memoir, which I'm not going to have time to talk to you about, but I really like it, about how uh, Matt, in his uh, inevitable way, kind of um, got me going on focusing on that. We launched a task force on advancing women in the bank, um, which had, had profound impact, not just on our organization, but in the banking business in Canada and elsewhere in North America. And I can point to many instances of that, but we kind of quickly moved the representation and the senior management of the bank, the executive management, from about 6% to about 35%. And, of course, it's one of those things that it's never completely done. It's one thing that you, you focus on all the time. And we moved on from that, uh, focusing on the imbalance in, in representation of women into, um, uh, into other groups. But, but that, I think, was actually it's one of the things that I'm, I'm probably as proud of as as most of the things that I was able to accomplish in, in my tenure in the bank. Yeah, I would urge our listeners to get your book, Personal Account, and read about that. Capitalism, the system which has improved life for billions of people, is uh, under assault, and you write about that. And uh, uh, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are pushing stakeholder capitalism. What's this about? Well, I, I think the the underlying theme there is that Somehow there's a belief that the focusing on creating value for shareholders, which is the purpose of business, um, is works against or trying to divert energy from supporting other constituencies, employees, shareholders, other factors such as the environment and things of that nature, and therefore a push to say, let's de-emphasize the focus on creating value, growing organizations, and creating the kind of wonderful society in which we live today and shift that focus away from that into the other dimensions of the of, of the world that are very important whether that's as i said environment whether it's uh, social responsibility uh, whether it's governance and things of that nature well i happen to be a strong believer in the economic system that has gotten us to the 
successful place that we all of our Canadians enjoy today. Let me set aside for a minute the, the, the negative impact of the pandemic, but let me set that aside. In general, not just in Canada, but around the world, we are dramatically better off than we were. I don't like the term capitalism because I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a very good descriptor of our economy. I prefer to use the term a market economy, which says grow the economy by growing businesses, by growing the creation of value. And therefore, that is the way to provide resources to support other social justice initiatives. And, and I, I don't, so I don't think there's a separation between one and the other. I think one is the way to achieve the other. And I think history has kind of proven that out. So I'm not a very, I'm, I'm not very enthusiastic about the trend to, in fact, I'm not only in, in, not enthusiastic, I, I think it's a wrong thing uh, to say, stop focusing on creating value, creating short roles, because that's going to lead to less availability of resources to focus on things that are important in society. Right. And I, and I think I've gone through that quite a bit in, in the memoir. Joni, it's uh, it's an excellent read. I wish I had more time. I wanted to speak with you about, and your wife was such an important part of your life and partner, and you write about that in personal account, and you formed the anti-hate organization uh, together, uh, the organization named FAST, Fighting Anti-Semitism Together. Um, I would urge our listeners to, to buy the book, Personal Account, great read. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.